Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily they come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure someone born in the united states is not more special than someone born in mexico someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black they're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience war is peace freedom is slavery ignorance is strength they do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us, as always, at rdgable at yahoo.com. You can find us on Gab and Gitter as well. Our main social media pages, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and Twitter, TST underscore underscore radio. Our website, thesecretteachings.info, has our free show archive. You'll find links to various radio and podcast players, as well as an RSS feed. So you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday, any time of the day or night. If you're listening on a podcast app, please leave us a review and let us and other people know what you think of the show. Otherwise, if you'd like to support The Secret Teachings and you'd like to keep this show on air Monday through Friday, you can subscribe to our ad-free archive on the website. You'll get advertisement-free shows, you'll get montages, you'll get a private RSS feed, and you will get digital copies of my books as well. You can also find my books separately on the website, along with our Patreon page for behind-the-scenes content, our affiliate sponsors, Pro One Water Filters, now is as good a time as ever to get a water filter. We have another affiliate program with a website called Transistor. We just switched our archive over to them. So if you're looking to do podcasting or anything of the sort, Transistor is a very, very good website where you can host your show and create everything you need to create, whether it's an embed player, RSS feeds, subscribers, etc., etc., etc. So check them out on our website. And of course, tonight... Monday, June 6, 2022, it is our inaugural show here on Ground Zero Radio. And I want to sincerely thank those of you who made this possible from a late night conversation with Wes to having a conversation the next morning with Ron. Very early in the morning, I gave him a call and asked him about the proposal to bring the secret teachings to Ground Zero to about a 100 or thousand or 10,000 emails with, uh, with Rob to set everything up technically. And of course, uh, a handful of conversations with Clyde, making sure that, uh, everything was good. Everything was acceptable. Everything was pleasing. Everything was ready to go to finally bring the secret teachings over to ground zero. And it's wonderful to be here. It's an honor to come on after Clyde Lewis For those of you who don't know anything about The Secret Teachings, we've been on air for over 10 years now, professionally about six or seven. I'd like to direct you to our free archive on our website. If you go and listen to our Friday night broadcast, the final show we did on the previous network, it's a five-hour long show. And if you listen to the first 20 minutes or so, I break down and give you an idea of what this show is all about and how we started out on a college radio station We jumped after that. We got removed due to the fact that we refused to censor our content. And we uh, we got banned. We got removed from that network. We got uh, kicked out of the studio. And then we eventually made it onto Dark Matter Radio. We were eventually kicked off there for censorship reasons. And we made it onto L&M Radio. And we eventually left L&M Radio because of a lot of drama and a lot of um, a lot of inside dealings. People had kind of infiltrated the network, stolen a bunch of money, and the typical radio drama. And so we ended up 
leaving L&M and we were picked up by the Fringe FM. We've left that network in a cordial way. And now here we are on Ground Zero. So thank you so much, all of you who made this possible. And that includes a mass majority. You as an audience, you as listeners, thank you so much for supporting this show over the years. Thank you so much for buying my book, subscribing to my archive, sending me emails in the middle of the night, middle of the day, whenever and wherever around the world, letting us know what you think of the show, giving us topic ideas, guest ideas, etc. If it isn't for you, well, then I really don't have a reason to do this show. So sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for supporting what I do and allowing me to do this Monday through Friday, five nights a week. It is, it is not just an honor. It's, it's a strange feeling. Uh, so many people messaging me, calling me, and wanting to hear my take and my perspective on things. And I, I really try. That's what this show's all about. It's, it's about providing a different perspective on current events, uh, on world events, on things that are a little abnormal, paranormal. Uh, we could call them uh, parapsychological. Uh, we could call them uh, parapolitical, as Clyde does his show on Ground Zero. So we look at things a little bit differently on this show. And I'll give you an example before we go any further tonight. Maybe you saw tonight's promo if you did, I promise we're going to get to that. But I like to set up the show and then take that new angle and then we'll expand from there. So if you think of something like conversations over Black Lives Matter, over gun control, these are standard kind of political conversations that are either pro or anti one thing or the other. You're either pro-gun or you're anti-gun. And it seems difficult, at least in the, in the popular culture, to have a conversation or to have a platform to have a conversation where you can look at those topics from a different angle or a different perspective. So just a few days ago, a couple of weeks ago, we had the anniversary of George Floyd's death, right? And I've got a copy of the autopsy report here in my studio. And I've read the autopsy and it says that he had, he had no damage to his neck. So kneeing on him did not kill him according to the autopsy. That's officially the autopsy report. I actually got it from the New York Times. They neglected to mention that little piece of information, though. If you read it, the man was also on two different types of fentanyl, enough to probably kill uh, your average person who might not be adapted to taking any kind of drugs. So not only that, but he also tested positive for COVID-19, which I thought if you test positive, that's, that's why you die. You know, if you're in a motorcycle wreck and you test positive, you died of COVID-19, not of a motorcycle wreck. So putting that in perspective with what we do here on the show, you have a man in George Floyd who is an unsavory character. It doesn't mean he deserved to die, but he's an unsavory character. And the concept of that is you have a black man who was turned into, by, by whatever definition, any standard, turned into a god. He was turned into a king. He was turned into this, this deity. He was deified. And then when he was buried a few days after his death, this was all over the news. He was buried in a golden coffin. When I saw that he was buried in a golden coffin, I immediately thought of one of my favorite myths from ancient Egypt. It's the story of Osiris, the green man, the green god, put into a golden coffin and then placed onto the river the Nile, 
and the story progresses from there. But the green man also has another definition, another expression. The green man also is expressed as the black god. The black god because green is agriculture, but in order to have good agriculture, you need good fertile soil. So Osiris was also seen as the black god. Most gods have a black and white. Osiris in particular, because he's a god of agriculture, he has this black side to him. It doesn't mean skin color. It just means like black, good, fertile soil, rich soil. Because it's an agri- everything's an agricultural analogy. So Osiris was a green god and a black god. A black god placed in a golden coffin by his brother Set or Seth, who is essentially the Egyptian devil or Typhon. So when you think about the correlation between this person placed in a golden coffin and they have this ceremony, this ritual in the media, and it's so similar to this ancient Egyptian myth that one time maybe that's just a coincidence But when you start to see these types of symbols and these archetypes and you see these parallels and these patterns and these synchronicities, you start to realize big events, big significant events and big dates, big significant dates like January 6th, for example. I I don't care what you think of January 6th. I mean, by definition, an insurrection is taking guns, knives, weapons and overthrowing the government. People in a hysterical state emotionally driven to go where the mob takes them is not an insurrection. It could be considered a riot, perhaps, but it's certainly not an insurrection. But rather than discussing whether it is or isn't those things from a standard political point of view, I'm more concerned with the date. The date of January 6th is an ancient Egyptian high holy day. It's also the Feast of Epiphany. Uh, January 6th is the day of Dionysian wine miracles, where Dionysus or Bacchus, the, 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 the Greek and the Roman gods, much like Jesus, they turned water into wine. It was a transformative alchemical process, and the day of that process was January 6th. So whether it's intentional or not, there is certainly an underlying fabric of our physical, material, corporeal reality in which those who have the understanding of the symbol those who have the understanding of of such a language, they're able to tap into such things, and then as they tap into them, they obtain that energy, and then they can utilize it to directionalize further future events. And this is the whole point of magic. This is the whole point of ritual and ceremony. You don't have to be a practicing ceremonial magician with the wand and the athame, You don't have to have the robes and have the different colors of candles and strings and a bowl of water and a bowl of salt, you know, for the water and for the earth and then incense for the fire and for the air, for the smoke. You don't have to have all of that. You can be a practicing magician simply as a writer. As a writer, you can craft a story with language And you can cast curses by writing in cursive. You can cast a spell by spelling words, putting those words, which are comprised of letters or symbols with their own vibrations, into a specific order. And by changing the order and by changing the way in which you you conduct your writing, you are casting a spell upon the people that are reading this, that upon the people that are consuming this. 
And it's not just writing, of course, it's the writing that goes into making the things that we adore in popular culture. It goes into the, the writing of TV shows and of movies. And I've said for a long time that when you watch a movie or you watch a television show, we know about essentially what amounts to mind control, suggestibility. You know, watching TV in the middle of the night and those commercials come on for a cheeseburger or they come on for a milkshake or kids shows that are just littered with candy commercials. You watch TV within a few minutes, you slip into the state of almost unconsciousness. You become more suggestible. This is how marketing and advertising uh, in large part work today. But they're not always selling you candy or a cheeseburger. They're not always selling you a milkshake or they're not trying to sell you a new car or a watch. Sometimes they're selling you an idea. In fact, it seems more than ever today, you're being sold an idea or a concept. And your energy that goes into that, when, when you pay for your cable, when you pay for your Hulu or your Netflix, when you pay to be entertained, you're paying with money. And money is currency, and currency is electricity. And that's what your body is, is functioning and, and, and operating uh, 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 with. It's, it's an electrical current. Your body's mostly water, right? And your body is, if you put a little auxiliary cable up to your head when it's plugged into a, to a radio or to a speaker, you can hear the zzzz. You, the body is electrical. So your currency literally is spent to obtain the money when you perform a task or a job. Then you obtain the money, the currency, the energy. Then you use it, you put that currency and energy into paying for Netflix or Hulu or going to a movie. And that currency and energy goes into paying for the things that are produced for your entertainment. And then when you watch that entertainment, you put your energy and your currency, your attention, energy goes or attention goes where energy flows, energy flows where attention goes, as they say. So your energy flows into that, that thing, that movie, that TV show. And within that movie or TV show, often are symbols and archetypes and sigils that are charged with your energy. So when you watch a television show like Stranger Things, when I first watched the, the first season, someone said, hey, you have to sit down and watch this show. It's a really good show. And it, it, it just come out the first season. And I said, I, I don't know. I don't really like popular things when they first come out, but OK, I'll sit down and watch it. And within a few episodes, I thought, this is uh, Montauk. This is MK Ultra. This is, you know, it's, it's based on something true. It's also obviously fictionalized. And I remember the person I was watching it with said, well, what are you talking about? It's based on some government project. Like, this is just fiction, Ryan. This is made up. And I said, well, it's not a secret that <laughs> real things are taken and turned into fictional accounts. This is clearly based on MK Ultra." Because I've, I've studied it and I've been aware of it for God knows how long. And then you get to the episode where they're, they're in the library and they're talking literally about MKUltra. And then, you know, TV shows like Stranger Things became immensely, immensely popular. And now we're on season four. And on season four of Stranger Things, there may be some spoilers tonight on the show. Tonight's show I've called Dr. Stranger Things Everywhere All at Once. Because... It's not just Stranger Things. If, if you've seen the new Doctor Strange movie, or you've seen uh, the, which I thought was one of the better movies I've seen uh, in a long time, uh, the Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, there's a lot of strange, I guess we could call them synchronicities, 
there's a lot of strange parallels and patterns and synchronicities between everything, everywhere, all at once, Doctor Strange, Stranger Things, and well, virtually every other movie um, that has come out in the last couple of months to the last couple of years, virtually every other TV show. I mean, if you pay attention, what you'll start to notice is we're looking at other dimensions, other worlds, parallel universes. And this is not only at the forefront of modern, mainstream, the pinnacle of science and physics. It's at the pinnacle of pop culture. It is everything. It's sure, Doctor Strange based on, you know, comics. It, it, it's it's sure stranger things based on government projects and programs, but all of these writers and producers are using the same imagery. They're using the same symbols, the same analogies, the same metaphors. Now, the reason for that doesn't have to be some grand conspiracy. The reason that these same symbols and sigils and metaphors and analogies are being used is because they're powerful. They tap into the subconscious and the more you use of those things, the more popular and the more profound and, and, and let's just reduce it to a simple word like better, the better the, the production is. I mean, that's why uh, for, for people like George Lucas, Joseph Campbell said George Lucas was his best pupil. He really, truly understood the, the, the archetypes of the characters. That's why Star Wars is, is still so popular today. That's why those types of films, those types of movies are so popular. Now, maybe you all know that already. Maybe you all, all grasp that concept, and, and I'm telling you something you already know. But if you pay attention, you think about it. Just think about it again. Pay attention. If you see Doctor Strange, if you saw everything all uh, everywhere all at once, if you have seen the new Stranger Things or any of the Stranger Things, you notice that the same imagery comes up over and over and over again. In old movies and new movies, etc., you always see the same symbols. You see the mirror, like Alice in Wonderland, and through the looking glass, you see the rainbow, which is a bridge or a gateway or a portal to another world. You see clocks, because clocks are representative of time and time passing away and the past, the present, and the future. You see things like spiders and parasites, obviously referencing other dimensional entities that feed off of our fear, that feed off of our suffering. You see time like 3 a.m. because 3 a.m. is the witching hour when the veil is thin between the physical and the spiritual or the spirit. You see things like the red rose. The red rose is a symbol of initiation. The red rose is a symbol of transformation, transmutation, alchemical uh, movement. It, it, it's the red rose of beauty and the beast because, well, the red rose is is a symbol of transmutation. The beast is really a prince and bell is, well, an, a bell and bell is harmony and harmony in the esoteric tradition calms the beast. It is chaos that is Typhon. It is chaos that is the devil. And when you have harmony, when you have music, then you can have peace and you can defeat that animal, whether that animal, that beast is the animalistic nature of yourself that you overcome as part of that transformative process, or it's symbolized by an actual beast in Beauty and the Beast. And of course, this is why throughout history, we, we have people, if, in fact, if you saw the new movie, The Northman, they had those uh, balls of chains and bells they were shaking. That's because it's an old tradition that bells and chains and, and making noise like that will ward off evil. 
because evil is chaos and, and distortion. And when you have some level of harmony or bells or something to that effect, it can ward off the evil, which is why bronze bells in particular, and of course in churches uh, specifically, are used to ward off evil and to alert you to what time it is. It's noon. They, they ring the bell a certain number of times. So you see these things in, in popular culture. You see these things in movies, TV shows. You see them in music videos. Um, they're, they're, they're rampant everywhere because they communicate to the subconscious. They communicate to the unconscious. And whether it's getting you to buy a new perfume or it's getting you to buy a, a, a car or it's getting you to buy a, a certain idea, a certain political or other ideology, something is being sold to you. And sometimes it's not necessarily that an item or an idea is being sold to you. It's that a gateway is being opened, a portal, a doorway is being opened. And your energy is being welcomed into that portal or doorway, into that sigil, because your energy and thousands or tens or thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people are tuned into that frequency and your energy is drawn out of your body, out of your mind, and it goes into powering that sigil and those symbols. And for those of you who would like a more theoretical reason for this, I would suggest it feels that something is interested in opening a gateway, a doorway, a portal to another world. Something is interested in using your energy to open a gateway in order to walk into your body or walk into this world. I think that's why we see discussions and pop culture. We see the things like dreamwalking. We see things like possession. I mean, these are symbols of, of, of things that are perhaps literal but also figurative. And we see these ideas. It's, it's the, the multiverse and going in and out of other dimensions and the gods and the goddesses and invoking those gods and goddesses like Zeus and Jupiter. All of this, when you put it together, as we're going to do tonight, you realize the world today is not far removed from the ancient world in which we would perform human sacrifices or we would uh, have altars uh, and, and say prayers and do certain rituals to... Uh, to appease the gods or to invoke uh, their power and their energy. It still happens today. And I'm going to tell you all about it tonight on Dr. Stranger Things. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. And there's more after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. I've said for some time now that when you look at comics, like whether it's Marvel or DC, DC in particular, I thought, what does DC stand for? Now, DC could be DC Comics, the origin of DC, but uh, I'm not really concerned with the official definition. I'm concerned with the underlying current, because DC to me sounds like directing currency, or perhaps directing chaos through major motion pictures that focus fewer attention on things like multiverses and electricity. Marvel does the same thing, and these concepts and these sigils and these symbols can be seen not only in comics, not only in movies, but they can be seen in sports, they can be seen in politics, they can be seen in pretty much every form of entertainment. The idea that we can become superheroes through new technologies accompanies the idea that 
Technocrats can therefore become gods. When you realize that digital assimilation into these new states of being actually creates subhuman qualities, it becomes clear that the new gods are attempting to create an artificial Armageddon to build their own version of a new heaven and a new earth during and after the end times. And this new world will then be subject to the laws of man rather than God, and those uploaded into the multi-metaverse of madness become new synthetic digital men, or essentially what I call the black atom, A-T-E-M, which is meta-reversed, or atom, A-T or A-D-A-M, Adam, the black Adam, a new first man, an artificial man, a synthetic digital man in the multi-metaverse of madness. Now, I believe that whether you like it or not, we all practice magic every single day. Whether you wish somebody a good day, or you pray over a meal, or you focus your energy on a current event. Everything is the directionalizing of will, the directionalizing of energy, and attempting to obtain something from your daily activity. Everything is magic to some extent. And all these practices are very, very deeply rooted in ancient religious and superstitious beliefs. In fact, today we are more superstitious than our ancestors were by definition because the word superstition simply means those things that are left over that are not understood. So in the ancient world, they may have practiced things that we consider to be superstitious, but when you read and listen to the reasons they practiced those things, like perhaps they might not have had uh, modern medicine, but the idea that your energy resided in a piece of your hair or in your fingernails which people like Aleister Crowley famously would make sure he always kept on his person and never lost a piece of hair because people, it was believed, could take that. And, and Crowley was just in the, in the last hundred years, but this goes back way, way further. People would take those things and they could work on your body remotely by using the energy that was residual in those pieces of, of the physical being. So we might not understand the reasons why people might want to do something like that today, you know, take somebody's hair and use it in magic. But the, or, the original, the origin of that, the original basis of that makes sense, at least to some extent. It doesn't, you can call it demonic, call it whatever you want, but it makes sense to some extent. The point is, we don't really understand that today, so that means it's a superstitious belief. We are more superstitious today to a large, large extent, than our ancestors would, uh, and that our ancestors were. Uh, that we, we do things today that if you think about how it would look if we were watching the same thing happen a hundred or a thousand years ago, we would call them barbarians, heathens, etc. Like if someone built a memorial or an altar and then they filled it with pictures and they wrote things and put it into the altar or the temple or whatever it was, and then they burned it down. We would say that they are anti-Christian, they're satanic. I guess it depends on what your viewpoint on the world is. But we would say that the, these people are probably heathens. They don't really understand science. They don't really understand God. And we would say they're very superstitious. However, these kinds of things happen today. In fact, an ornate wooden memorial 
was recently burned to the ground in Britain in remembrance of COVID-19 pandemic victims. Seven torchbearers, a very important number, seven torchbearers, like those that light the Olympic cauldron, seven torchbearers, including a reverend, to bring more theological, religious significance to the, the ritual. Seven torchbearers, including a reverend, burned what they called sanctuary, this large, ornate, beautifully decorated and carved wooden memorial, and they burned it to the ground. So what this thing was, that again, they called it sanctuary. It was a, a wooden, very intricately designed memorial slash temple that was built to what they said were the victims of coronavirus. According to an article from Sky News, quote, it had been a tribute to those who died after testing positive for coronavirus. It's almost kind of laughable because you died after testing positive, you could have died from anything. So they're not actually people that died of the virus. They're just people that tested positive for the virus and died of who knows what else. So when they made this little memorial thing, they, they put pictures of people who had died in the memorial. They put letters of people uh, to people who had died into the memorial, which is a very old practice. This is why we have incense and candles when we pray because the smoke takes our prayers up to the heavens, up to God, up to the gods. So they put the pictures, they put the, the writing into this memorial. And then seven days after it was open to the public, seven torchbearers were gathered, including a reverend. And those seven torchbearers, seven days after this thing was opened, burned the sanctuary to the ground. Now, it was built, it was constructed, it was designed by David Best, who is a large-scale artist. He makes these carved structures for festivals like Burning Man. And maybe on the surface, like when I first read this, I thought, okay, this was something that was confined to, um, to a small town. And this actually took place in Warwickshire. And I thought maybe a few people were involved in this and it, it, it barely made the news. That's, that's, that's all that it was. But in fact, 10,000 people showed up to watch this sanctuary burn to the ground with the pictures and the letters of and to the victims of COVID-19. And then they had seven torchbearers after seven days of the memorial being open burn the thing to the ground. Now, the guy who designed it, David Best, said it was meant to embrace and acknowledge the grief and isolation that COVID imposed on us all. When I read that, I thought, to me, it sounds like a memorial to trauma. It sounds like a ritual in trauma-based mind control or some sort of mental abuse that we justified as a pandemic and lockdowns and quarantines and masks, things that were and continue to be and will be probably for for some people forever, so traumatic that they'll never be able to go back to normal. And we memorialize it, and then we burn it in the name of a cathartic ritual, which is what they called it a cathartic burning, 
like if you ever watch Arrested Development where they burn the they cathartically burn the banana stand, they cathartically burn this COVID-19 memorial. So it's basically taking a traumatic event, something that has affected the whole world, putting pictures and text into this altar and then burning the thing to the ground with 10,000 people watching it. And when you see something like that, you might think superstition, ancient world, heathens, pagans, Wiccans, witches, Satanists, depending on what your point of view is, of course. For some of you, maybe you think that this was just a a reasonable thing. It helps people to cope with uh, the trauma and the loss. Either way, it is an enormous ritual. 10,000 people watched this happen. This isn't the first kind of thing relating to COVID-19 that's been done uh, of the same theme. For example, last year, a nurse in Colorado took vials from Moderna vaccines and she made a big chandelier. And if you look at the chandelier, you can you can see all the all the little Moderna vials. She says that the chandelier was inspired by light. She said it's been a dark time and we wanted to bring light to the world. And I read those two articles together. I read the one from last year, which I had covered at the time. And then I read the one about the Warwickshire Britain memorial that was burned down intentionally. And they're talking about seven torchbearers seven days after the opening of this memorial, lighting it on fire, burning it in front of 10,000 people. 10 is a very important number because 10 is the, uh, the number of completion. It is the, the, the tret, uh, tetracite. Uh, it is the, the symbol that represents the completion of a ritual. And for, for those of you who want to, to look that up, uh, you spell the word T-E-T-R-A-C-T-Y-S, tetra Kite or some people say tetrakite. I've said tetrakite. It's uh, tetrectes, tetrectes, and uh, that is the the ritual of completion. So that number ten is very important there. And then you have the the nurse with the chandelier. And I mean, when I see these types of things, I I kind of think um, my, a friend of mine named Kev Baker, who some of you might know, he passed away recently. He was the host of the Kev Baker Show, and he he one time he recommended that I go look at the the computer chip for the D-Wave computer because he had interviewed Jordy Rose or uh, who invented the D-Wave or invented the quantum computer. And uh, he said the microchip, if you look at it, it looks very similar to Kersher's depiction of the Tower of Babel. And when he showed it to me, I thought it does actually look, it does look like a lot like that Kersher Tower of Babel because I've, I've got a picture of Kersher's Tower of Babel in, in my book, Occult Arcana which is available uh, only on our website at thesecretteachings.info. Very familiar with it. And I said, it does kind of look like the Tower of Babel. That's strange. Because what was the Tower of Babel? It was man trying to reach into heaven, reach into another dimension, get at the gods, right? And God got upset, so God scrambled their, their languages and communications. And I thought when I looked at the chandelier that the nurse made last year, it looked kind of similar. I don't, it just reminded me of it. And then I read that she was inspired by light, and in a similar fashion, this memorial in Warwickshire was about light. And, but the, the thing is, there's, there's different kinds of light. There's the morning star of Venus, right? The morning and evening star, and that's a false light. 
So this is where we get the idea of Lucifer because Venus, the light of Venus is cast from the heavens down to earth. Lucifer is cast from the heavens to earth. Now, astrologically, that is the light of Venus, the planet, reflecting off of the moon. The moon is Jehovah, the moon god, and then that light is being cast to earth. So Venus to the moon to earth, Lucifer from heaven to earth, or Venus to the moon to earth, which is Jehovah casting Lucifer down to our dimension, our planet. So when I think of the memorial, when I think of things like this chandelier, or when I think of the pieces of the World Trade Center that have been shipped all over the United States for little memorials, when I lived in Boise, Idaho, there on the Greenbelt, this big trail that goes around the city, they have a 9-11 memorial that's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And you go out there and you can feel, at least I could, I felt that I could feel the energy and the presence of that. There, there's something powerful there, whether it's dark or not. There, there's something more than just a piece of metal. This is something more than just a chandelier of vaccine vials. There's something more than just a ceremonial burning down, a cathartic burning down of a temple that was constructed for, for COVID-19. And that's also part of the ritual, the destruct, or of a ritual, the destruction of the tower to build something back right? The destruction of the world trade and the destruction of the towers of, of, or the pillars of the, of the temple of Solomon, Boaz and, and Jackin, the building of the temple, the Solomonic temple, once again, on the ashes of the old, the rebuilding of the temple that's supposed to signify the end times, right? Remember after the Newtown, Connecticut shooting, Sandy Hook, the school was taken down? Well, now they're discussing taking down the school in Uvalde, Texas, to, to ritually tear the thing down. We have seen so many different, totally unique and isolated events that when you look at them at first, it doesn't seem like there's any significance or importance. But when you look at them again in parallel with other things of a similar nature, you start to realize not every event's connected. Not everything's a conspiracy. In fact, I think few things are. But there certainly is an underlying current of energy that is either being tapped into or it is expressing itself through the fabric of, of time and space. And we're seeing the numbers, we're seeing the letters and the vibrations and the symbols, and they're telling us, like the green code in the matrix, that like when we get a deja vu, maybe that means we're on the right track, maybe that means we're having to relive an, uh, uh, an event, a decision, but we're experiencing something that is important. Something in our unconscious is reminding us this is an important moment. This is something significant. And when you tap into that, you start to notice that these types of events, they're important and they're significant, not just because of COVID-19 or because of a shooting, but because there's an underlying current of energy that has a significant influence. And when you tap into that energy, it has the ability and it has the power to change the world and not always for the better, sometimes for the worst, sometimes for things that are, I believe, only relegated to science fiction, uh, only relegated to uh, fantasy, only relegated to Hollywood and Hulu and Netflix. 
And that's why we see so much of those same images and themes there. We see the, the rainbow in the mirror. We see the clock. We see the 3 a.m. We see the red rose. We see these symbols because for me, it feels like there is something that is attempting to break into our world. Uh, it is an energy that perhaps for thousands of years we've called the devil, we've called Typhon, we've called Leviathan. And it feels that there are those who are willingly or unwillingly working with this energy to bring about either a self-fulfilling prophecy or to bring about uh, a, a new world, obviously on the ashes of the old world, but not just within this dimensional uh, state of existence, outwardly from another dimensional state of existence uh, with, with things and with energies that are, are not human or even animal or from this world, let's say. It feels like that. Um, in fact, uh, the, the original ending to to uh, the Watchmen. I don't know if you've seen Watchmen, but the original ending to Watchmen, and I just learned this a few weeks ago, was a portal opening up in New York City and a tentacle-like, octopus-like, squid-like thing, a Cthulhu-like thing coming through the portal, and, and you can imagine the destruction. And that was changed for the movie, so it was a, a nuclear explosion instead, an atomic bomb detonating. Some of you might have considered that the Trinity atomic bomb, so there's the number three, three, the Trinity, a very significant number. The Trinity bomb may have like, um, well, it's kind of like an alchemical ritual. It, it may have induced a tear or a rip in the fabric of space-time and open a, a dimensional gateway for something to travel into our world. Or, you know, it could have allowed for, I mean, UFOs, uh, 1947 and Roswell, uh, not that Roswell's the only case, but 1947 was was really the the, the precipice, the, the introduction to the world in mass of the UFO phenomenon, not too long after those atomic bombs were detonated. Um, and obviously not just Trinity, but Nagasaki and Hiroshima that we often forget about, talk about, a tragedy that, and, and a holocaust that we, we never discuss, um, hundreds of thousands of people vaporize instantly, that people believe, and, and, and I'm, I'm willing to entertain the idea, and I have for many years, that those events could have been uh, extreme concentrations of energy that allowed for these gateways and these, these dimensional portals to open. Now, I mentioned the Watchmen because with the new season of Stranger Things, and we're going to get into this in the next hour with the new season of Stranger Things, Stranger Things 4 on Netflix. There was a promotion that was run. And that promotion that was run was not on television. It was run physically in major cities around the world. It was not run on billboards. It was run on buildings. And it was run through projections of light. We've been talking about light, the chandelier or the temple in Warwickshire that was burned down, the false light, a projection of light broadcast onto buildings showing rifts where the building was opening up and then, well, the demigorgon or some kind of monster was coming through the portal into major cities like New York City, Madrid, London, Tokyo, etc., etc., etc. 15 major landmarks around the world, and get this, 
14 different countries. Now, what could be the significance of the 14 different countries? Well, as I said earlier, Osiris. Osiris, when he was put into that golden coffin, was cut into 14 pieces. And the 14th piece was never found. So in the story, Isis, his wife, has to construct a 14th piece, which is his penis, literally. And so she would make it, depending on the story, out of gold, or she would make it out of beeswax, and then she would impregnate herself with an immaculate conception with the sun god Horus. Now that immaculate conception of Isis is the story of of Mary, pregnant with, with the Christ child. It's the story of um, La Brucia or Lilith, except she doesn't give birth to a Christ child. She gives birth to demons. She's the night temptress. She is the, the unconscious mind, the dark side of the moon, etc. It's an archetype that you find all throughout mythology, and, and you find this uh, all throughout history. So Osiris is cut into 14 pieces. The 14th piece is never found. A fish eats it. That's why the number 14 and a fish... You've seen that, remember, with uh, Mr. Podesta, and you've seen that, and, and for the record, by no means am I a, a believer in Pizzagate. I believe that was totally a psychological uh, mind F, just like uh, QAnon is and was. But 14 and the fish are still important symbols because they go back to that ancient Egyptian uh, mythology and pantheon that we've been discussing here on The Secret Teachings tonight, and you see it everywhere. So... When you look at that and you think, okay, they put these light shows in 14 major countries, 14 different sections of the world, and that's how Osiris's body was spread, 14 pieces spread throughout the world. I mean, you can read Budge, you can read Manly Hall, you can read anybody who tells you the story, the, the old myth of Osiris. Seth or Typhon spread the pieces all over the world because Seth or Typhon wanted to build a new world on the ashes of the old world. He knew he couldn't kill his brother, so he had to separate his brother into fragments. So Typhon, or Set, is positioning himself in the myth to be the king of the world. And the king of the world, Set, well, it's funny because the great reset, being orchestrated by the World Economic Forum, the Vatican, big institutions... Uh, what does reset translate to? Re means king. It translates to king set. So you have 14 light shows around the world, and those light shows are opening rifts or dimensional gateways in major cities. And then over the weekend, what happens? Well, everybody tunes their attention and their energy and their frequency into Stranger Things. I mean, I, I, stayed, up, I stayed up at midnight. I watched the first two episodes when it came out. You tune your frequency into that, and all those symbols, uh, the rainbow, the mirrors, the clocks, the spiders, 3 a.m., uh, the, 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 the red rose, the red lightning, the red fog, the black goo, all of those things in Stranger Things 4, along with demonic possession, and of course, a tip of the cap to probably everything, well, we know Freddy Krueger, but everything from the Amityville Horror to the Mummy to Resident Evil, the Satanic Panic, the Exorcist, and I also picked up Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange and um, Dreamwalking, uh, because the, the villain, uh, Vecna, in Stranger Things 4, is basically dreamwalking into people's minds and assisting himself through their body in opening up dimensional gateways. And how does he do it? Well, he kills the innocent. He kills the, 
while they're still children, he kills the child. He kills these young people in high school. And when he kills that young girl, a rift opens. And this is why when you go to a graveyard or you go to a church um, where people are praying intensely or they're mourning their loved ones, or in some places you go and there have been really dark things there, uh, like human and animal sacrifices over hundreds of years, you can feel a really dark energy. The more you pray, the more you worship, the more you honor, the more you do something diabolic, you can feel a dark energy pulling you down or a, or a beautiful vibration pulling you upwards. So you kill the child and then the gateway opens. And, and I can't help but thinking um, there's some kind of weird connection perhaps between these 14 different gateways or 14 different countries, 14 pieces like Osiris around the world being open for Stranger Things for the promotion. And it's almost like the positioning of those big motherships in Independence Day, strategically like chess pieces, placing them around major uh, cities and landmarks around the world. And then it's five, four, three, two, one, times up. It's a countdown to attack, a countdown to the opening of the gateway, a countdown to the emergence. That's what it feels like to me. And we're going to go into that rift, into that portal, and search in the upside down tonight on The Secret Teachings when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, our website, thesecretteachings.info. Please subscribe to our archive. Our archive is different than Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis. So if you want Clyde's work, please subscribe to Aftermath. If you want ours, please subscribe to our website, facebook.com as well, The Secret Teachings, TST underscore underscore radio, and rdgable at yahoo.com. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero. And call out to the follow back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. It's time. From the upside down. He attacks with a spell or curse. An undead creature of great power. A spellcaster. It's about nine feet tall. A dark wizard. Thin white skin, no face, no eyes. The normal old clock. This is wizard obsessed with clock. Ritualistic sacrifices. He's a super burned up dude with razors for fingers. He kills you in your dream. This is our hand. No, but it once was. It's all a hive mind. And then there's this red fog everywhere. It was like a dream, a nightmare. How do you expect to stop the devil if you don't believe he's real? How did Elle open the Mother Gate? She contacted the Demogorgon with psychic contact. Just like Vecna when he casts his spells. Exactly. So what if with each kill, he's not simply killing them. He's making a powerful psychic connection with his victims. A 
connection powerful enough to rip a hole in the fabric of time and space. He's opening more gates to take over the world. Who do we know that wants to take over the world? The Mind Flayer. So if the Demogorgon was just his foot soldier, Vecna's his five-star general. A five-star general with the power to open gates. According to several insiders, Victor believed his house was haunted by an ancient demon. Victor allegedly hired a priest to exorcise the demon from his home. Pretty novel for the 50s. Exorcism wasn't even out yet. Keep, keep going. So Victor claimed this exorcism failed, but it angered this demon, which then murdered his family, removing their eyes. No eyes. He could reshape the world, remake it however we see fit. You're evil. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. Our inaugural show here on Ground Zero Radio. Thank you for having us. Our website, thesecretteachings.info, if you'd like to check out all of our content, our archive, our books, everything. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. We are broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert out here in the American Southwest in the beautiful state of Arizona. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings and TST underscore underscore radio. For our free show archive with links and an RSS feed to plug into your app, check out our website. There's also an embed player there where you can listen to the show. But if you want to get the advertisement-free version of the show, so there's no advertisements at all, subscribe to our full archive on the website. You'll get the ad-free show montages like the one you just heard that I make every week private RSS feed, and digital copies of my books. You can also find my books only on our website, along with our behind-the-scenes on Patreon and our affiliate sponsors like Pro One Water Filters. And if you'd like to get Clyde Lewis's archive, that's a separate archive. So if you want to support Clyde, subscribe to Aftermath. If you want the Secret Teachings archive, it's a separate archive. You'll have to subscribe to the Secret Teachings. And right now for this first week here on Ground Zero Radio. I'm doing $40 for the whole year. You get everything I just mentioned for $40. And we do things very antiquated here on The Secret Teachings intentionally. If you want that $40 subscription, just go to our website and donate the $40. And you'll be able to send me an email, rdgable at yahoo.com. And when you get that over to us, we'll create your account. We'll set you up and you'll be able to listen and download the shows automatically. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. I said earlier that there wouldn't be, or I intend not to spoil anything from Stranger Things for you. That's why, for those of you who have listened to this show uh, recently, I haven't talked about the new season of Stranger Things. I've tried to give it about a week and a half or so before I decided to discuss it. And I thought this would be the perfect subject for our first introduction show to those of you here on Ground Zero Radio. And I felt that, um, I felt when I I watched it, I thought it was written very, very well. And I thought that they paid homage and they tipped their cap very nicely to a lot of of classical horror. They tipped their hat to probably a few things, maybe even unintentionally. But, I mean, everything from Freddy Krueger to The Exorcist, I mean, even the idea of, uh, I mean, I got like an Amityville horror kind of a feel to it a little bit. Uh, I got a little little Resident Evil. I thought Vecna kind of had like a, had, had, a, had a little bit of Resident Evil feel to him. Obviously, uh, little, little pieces of uh, things that 
I don't think they tried to tap into, but when I watched Stranger Things 4, I couldn't help but feel like I was watching part of Doctor Strange. And that's why I called the show tonight Doctor Stranger Things. Because that's kind of what it felt like a little bit. The intense red fog and lightning into the upside down and confronts the Vecna. His house, his place in the upside down, you see the floating doors and the floating parts of the building. Very, very much like Doctor Strange. And and this is how movies and TV shows, this is how science fiction, this is how they'll depict you know, fractured minds, like if you watch Inception, things fold and bend and distort. But when I see that, I think not only is it Doctor Strange-esque, but it's also kind of red, and Vecna's getting into people's minds by essentially dreamwalking. He's connected to these tentacle-like things like the, the, the copypasta Slenderman, and he's levitating, and he gets into people's minds, and then he, they levitate, and then it's just that horrible sound of the bones cracking. He kills them, and where he kills them, there are these dimensional rifts that open. So it's the idea that performing the grotesque black sacrifice to kill the innocent, this will allow one to commune as they provide the offering to the demon, to the deity, to the black god, to whatever or whomever it is that they are trying to communicate with in order to obtain uh, power, in order to obtain powers or in order to obtain some special ability. And in magical tradition, in magical history, what happens is when a magician performs such an act, there's no going back from it. Once you've done it, your soul now belongs to that demon or that devil. And the devil or the demon will find ways to trip you up and to collect that soul earlier. So in order to prevent yourself from being entirely consumed and and to prevent yourself from having to fulfill the contract, the idea is you repetitively commit more atrocious acts. You consistently commit more atrocious acts. It builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up until you become the demon yourself, essentially. At least that's the idea from a, from a magical, demonological history. And so when you, when you look at Stranger Things 4, I mean, it's, it's like anything else. For years, pop culture has been shifting our collective energy into not just superheroes, but into other dimensions. Movies have taken us to, to different worlds for, for 100 years. I mean, one of the first science fiction movies... Uh, was back in the early 20th century. We, we actually studied this when I was in film school uh, called A Trip to the Moon. And uh, these scientists build like a bullet. It's black and white. I, they might have made it in color, but I think it was black and white originally. And the, they, they, get on, they get in this bullet and they shoot to the moon. And there's like a cavity in the moon. The moon's hollow and there's plants and creatures that live on the moon. So, you know, we've been taken to other worlds through entertainment for 100 years and, you know, through plays for thousands of years. But there's a, there's a heavy, heavy, heavy uh, significance placed more and more in the 21st century on being able to actually open these dimensional gateways in these dimensional portals. I think of movies, one of my favorites is Pond's Labyrinth, where the, the girl, Ophelia, she goes into the pale man's lair. 
and she draws the doorway. She goes into it, and uh, she's told by the goat not to eat anything there because if you eat something, you'll be stuck. Well, that's obviously the story of Persephone and, and Demeter and Hades. Persephone is kidnapped by Hades. She's taken to the underworld where she becomes his bride. When she's in the underworld, Demeter cries and allows the crops to die and the world to turn cold and dark during the fall and winter. And then Persephone comes back into the world and Demeter allows the world to, to grow again, the sun to shine and the crops to grow. That's, that's the metaphor of it. But the reason is Persephone gets stuck in the underworld because she eats something. And in, in one story, it's the pomegranate seed, pomegranate seed. And she eats a pomegranate seed. She gets stuck there for the amount of time equal to that which she ate, which is why Ophelia gets stuck in that, that upside down uh, dimensional place of the pale man or the rake or the slender man type character. Um, and you see that also in uh, movies that, uh, you know, you would think, think that kind of sounds like, <laughs> kind of sounds more like a, supposed to be like a kid's movie. Um, but it's, I think it's called, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I think it's Miss, Mer- Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Uh, and in that movie, there's this, I think Samuel L. Jackson's in it. There's this creature called the Hollow Ghost. And it's actually a, it's like a, a, a fictional creature that has its own like pages on the internet now. Uh, and it's basically Slenderman. Uh, it has the pale white face. Um, no, re- no really distinguishing, uh, distinguishing features. Uh, and, it, and it comes after the children to consume their eyes. It literally wants to consume the children's eyes. It eats the eyes. It gains power. Well, why is that? Well, it's because the eye is a gateway to the soul. Right? The eye is a gateway to the soul. So, you know, you look into your partner's eyes, your lover's eyes, you look into your kid's eyes. That there's, a, there's a, an expression in the eye of the soul, of the animating force of the physical corporeal body of the of the physical being of gross material uh in the movie Caroline, you know they replace the eyes with buttons and the bedlam the mom is this pale faced uh demon um it's all the same entity it's all the same creature manifesting in different ways call it the rake call it slender man call it pale man call it him his infernal majesty call it whatever you want to call it it's a creature or an entity that preys on children to take their life force and their energy. Vecna in Stranger Things 4 basically sucks the eyes out of the, out of the, the, the young person. They're not children, they're teenagers, but it kills the child, takes their eyes away, distorts their body, and then that, that murder, that killing, and the taking of the soul so he gets stronger, kind of like the mummy, is indicative of a, a black mass satanic ritual <clears throat> that is performed in order to open up a gateway or a portal. Um, and that whole idea of the satanic panic was also, of course, addressed in the show because um, the first girl's boyfriend, uh, the girl who dies, her boyfriend is um, approaching it from a very Christian point of view and saying that the, this is a satanic cult. And the thing is, it really isn't a satanic cult. It's it's something demonic from another dimension that is coming into our world. It's taking the eyes of children, killing them, and using that innocence and that energy, that pureness, to open up a gateway or a portal to get stronger. Uh, if you watch the new American Horror Story, uh, they take the, the the pills that deplete them of nutrition. So then, when they have they have to drink blood, and if they don't have any talent, they turn into these pale faced vampires. If they have talent, they have to keep taking the pill 
in order to reach that that level of talent. And the purer the blood that they consume to rejuvenate, the more talent they can acquire, the better a writer they become. So some of them are consuming the blood of children. In order to, and I, I don't think that's just a metaphor. I think that is a literal expression of what happens in Hollywood. You saw Megan Fox where she's like, yeah, we... Um, we, uh, we drink each other's blood. She's like, now it's not a goblet, to be fair. It's just, we drink each other's blood. We, you know, he'll, he's more crazy, though. He'll cut his chest open and be like, yeah, take my soul. I could play you the clip. She did the interview. I think it was Glamour Magazine. She said that. I mean, there's fetish uh, fetishes in Hollywood that they have dominatrixes that are professionals that literally help celebrities fulfill cannibal fetishes and blood fetishes. Uh, th- this is a common thing in, in Hollywood. And we can go further. You know, there's there's Bite Labs, the company that makes meat out of celebrity stem cells uh, or celebrity DNA. They, they make the meat. Uh, there's um, uh, Ambrosia, of course, in California. And there's a connection to Stanford University because they put the blood of a of a of an older uh, younger mouse into an older mouse. And that rejuvenated the older mouse. They actually they, their, their organs were, um, I guess you could say cleansed or purified and um it's almost like they started to age backwards and that was major university and they had connections to the ambrosia uh company uh one of the guys that worked or founded ambrosia was i i think part of one of those original studies or something to that effect that was a long time ago so i don't i don't remember exactly but all, all of this has to do with drinking blood eating flesh it's an unholy communion uh consuming the eyes taking the eyes and, and the creature that does this in every case is this pale face demon that it's the Joker. It's the pale face of the Joker. It's, it's death. It's the antichrist. Um, if you watched, um, there's, there's a bunch of great examples of this. Uh, but if you watch the new stranger things, uh, when Hopper is in this, in the Soviet union and he's, he's at this, uh, this feast before, and he knows that they're being, they're being given all this food because they're going to be fed to the Demogorgon. I put this in my montage. You can hear him describing that what what it's all about is fattening you up to feed you to the demigorgon, and it's like, well, what is this demigorgon thing? This guy asks, and he's like, it's about nine feet tall, pale face, and you you often hear the clicks. The you hear the clicks, that creature, that darkness, that thing that comes in the middle of the night, that monster, that hat man, smiling man, crooked man, slender man, the rake pale man it's all the same thing it comes at 3 a.m three o'clock in the morning you look at those clocks you see clocks in music by eminem or in stranger things that read 3 a.m you see the spiders coming out of the clock the spiders like the the parasite that is the mind flayer uh mr Waternoose. if you ever watch monsters incorporated it's a it's a world of monsters that come into dimensional gateways or portals doorways into a child's bedroom and steals the energy of the child what is that movie telling you and although randall played by steve buscemi even though randall's this serpentine like creature that we think the serpent's evil he's not really evil the real true evil is the parasite that's running the company uh, mr Waternoose is like the mind flayer and it, it's like Vecna in the new Stranger Things walking like dreamwalking into into a young person's mind and getting them, uh, possessing them. And then they levitate and he break, kills them. And then that opens the, the gateway. And, um, you know, we, we see this. It's, it's entertainment. It's fantasy. It's metaphor. It's archetype. But 
to, today's pop culture seems particularly obsessed with certain sigils that it seems they intend to charge with your energy. When you pay for something with money, which is currency, or you pay attention to it with your energy, your directionalized energy, your will, which is magic, it seems that today's pop culture intends to charge their sigils with your energy. And those sigils are, are, are almost like symbolic directives, it feels, at this point, because they're everywhere. It's almost like someone's listening to the secret teachings or they're listening to Ground Zero and they're saying, well, that's a good idea. Let's put that in the movie. It's so rampant now in music and movies and TV and comics. It's like none of this is unintentional. I mean, let me let me give you an example of what I mean. This symbolic directive I'm talking about, it feels like if you watch Doctor Strange, the new Doctor Strange and then you watch everything everywhere all at once. They're so closely related that it feels like one is an extension of the other, although they're not related at all. You watch Stranger Things Season 4, you see the same imagery. The very thing that gives Stranger Things its appeal is the very thing that gives Doctor Strange and everything everywhere all at once, and so many other movies and TV shows and comics, and even music videos for that matter, that that effect of drawing you in because it's communicating to the subconscious. Doctor Strange and Everything Everywhere are centered around the concept of multiple dimensions and multiple realities. And they're existing in in, uh, parallel dimensions that are endless in possibility. Everything Everywhere All at Once is an arrangement of of, of different uh, life experiences that can be tapped into based on random acts and it's very much in that way like The Matrix. Doctor Strange is a little bit different, but you're able to access, Doctor Strange is able to access with uh, the young girl, America. She can access these other dimensions. She can open the portals. And what is Wanda trying to do in Doctor Strange? She's dreamwalking, which is a d- distortion and a perversion, a black act of magic. She's dreamwalking into other dimensions, taking possessions of other versions of herself in order to get access to children her children in another dimension and she's willing to sacrifice america the girl the other girl who can open the portal she's willing to sacrifice the child in order to obtain this temporary fleeting power so that she can see her children and be a mom again so she's willing to sacrifice the child to open the gateways so that she can access the child uh her, her children what she wants in the other world this is what vecna's doing uh, Vegna is sacrificing the child to open a gateway so that he can get he can get what he wants out of our dimension, out of our world, as a general, essentially working for the mind flayer, the parasite that's overseeing everything. And it's of course all centered and focused on on kids. What Vecna does in Stranger Things is exactly what Wanda is doing in Doctor Strange. That's why I call it Doctor Stranger Things because they're so closely related. And it's the same kind of a thing going on in everywhere, every, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, tapping into other versions of yourself. Uh, but you see these different dimensions. You see these same concepts. Dreamwalking. Possession of young people or just possession. And the sacrifice of the young in order to obtain some kind of power to open gateways to go into other worlds. Uh, by the way, as a side note, there will be a test at the end of this show. 
the, the, the word kid, when they say sacrifice a kid, they don't mean a child. They mean a goat. So, some of you probably know that, but just a little thing I always like to let people know that a kid is a goat. It's not always an actual child. But you do see the child, whether it's Miss Peregrine's home for peculiar children or it's um, Pond's Labyrinth or it's Doctor Strange or it's uh, you know Stranger Things 4. Same kind of an idea. Um, other dimensions are, are, are even our world. Everything is arranged in, it's an assortment of particles arranged in a certain way. And, and every tiny decision we make branches off into a new universe with parallel possibilities. It, it's all just part of the infinite multiverse. All of these sigils, all of these archetypes, all these symbols that include the, the mirrors, uh, the jumping of realities, possession, dream walking, jumping uh, into a, a body, child sacrifice, child sacrifice, black goo, uh, third eyes, uh, black magic, all these different things. Uh, these are symbolic of concepts that aren't always understood in the conscious, but are very, very understood in the unconscious and in the subconscious. And that's why these powerful images and symbols persist. And when we take our attention away from the pop culture and the comics and the music and the TV and the movies where you see all this happening, turn it to world events, turn it to current events, as we're going to do in the final segment. We have to take a break here in just a moment. When you think of what is happening that gets focus and attention in media, I want you to consider this for a second. I'm sure that you saw that there was a woman in Charleston, West Virginia, who was a law-abiding citizen, and she had a, a legal handgun, and some psychotic psychopath, probably drugged out, mentally ill person, pulls out an AR-15-style rifle and begins shooting at a, at a birthday party. The law-abiding citizen from West Virginia pulls out her pistol, blows the guy away. She stopped innocent people from being killed, because she shot the psychopath with the gun who doesn't follow the law, who's a psychopath with a gun. Obviously, for political reasons, most people would recognize, oh, they don't want to talk about that in the media because they want you to, they want you to give up your guns and all this stuff. Then you see the story just like that in West Virginia. You see the same kind of a story if you look back into the news year after year after year after year after year. Off-duty cop. Law-abiding citizen, stop shooting, stop shooting, stop shooting. It's, it, you've seen this story a hundred times. Or maybe you haven't. And that's kind of the point. There's no attention on that story. There's attention on the top store in Buffalo. There's attention on the school in Uvalde. There's not even attention on the Asian man in Orange County, California, shooting a bunch of people. Why? Because he's Asian. It doesn't fit the narrative. What fits the narrative is, of course from the White House and their strategy to combat domestic terrorism, it is white people, Christians, people that are right-wing, people that are more libertarian-minded, people that think for themselves, people that, you know, they, they question authority. It's the same kind of thing that we saw under George Bush, we saw under Barack Obama. I mean, let's be honest, not, not much in that regard changed even under Donald Trump. The same kind of thing has been happening for, for decades in this country. But th there's a strange thing that happens when we see a shooting like in Buffalo, 
uh, you see the same number system come up again and again and again. 13 people shot, three killed in the parking lot, 10 killed over, uh, overall, three people injured, three people injured. It's the way that the numbers are broken down. 13s, 3s, you see a similar uh, series of numbers. 3, 12, 13, 18, 21, sometimes 23, 32, and 33. And whatever the combination of numbers are, it's the same numbers over and over again. And I can't help but feel like when you have so much attention focused on the death of young people, the death of the innocent, it's kind of like Vecna opening up that dimensional gateway by killing the innocent in order to get access to this world. And it feels like a lot of these shootings, not that they're not real, they're real shootings, but focusing so much attention on them starts to wear down the fabric of space-time and perhaps starts to open that gateway or that portal. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings here on Ground Zero Radio, Monday, June 6, 2022. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. From the upside down. He attacks with a spell or curse. An undead creature of great power. A spellcaster. It's about nine feet tall. A dark wizard. Thin, white skin, no face, no eyes. This wizard obsessed with the clock. Are ritualistic sacrifices. He's a super burned up dude with razors for fingers. He kills you in your dream. Is this hurting? No, but it once was. It's all a hive mind. And then there was this red fog everywhere. It was like a dream, a nightmare. How do you expect to stop the devil if you don't believe he's real? How did Elle open the mother gate? She contacted the Demogorgon with psychic contact. Just like Vecna when he casts his spells. Exactly. So what if, with each kill, he's not simply killing them. He's making a powerful psychic connection with his victims. A connection powerful enough to rip a hole in the fabric of time and space. He's opening more gates to take over the world. Who do we know that wants to take over the world? The Mind Flayer. So if the Demogorgon was just his foot soldier, Vecna's his five-star general. A five-star general with the power to open gates. According to several insiders, Victor believed his house was haunted by an ancient demon. Victor allegedly hired a priest to exorcise the demon from his home. Pretty novel for the 50s. Exorcist wasn't even out yet. Keep going. So Victor claimed this exorcism failed, but it angered this demon, which then murdered his family, removing their eyes. No eyes. He could reshape the world, remake it however we see fit. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio, now Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening as we broadcast around the world. 
We will be having a Ground Zero radio app that will be available for download coming up soon. I've been informed otherwise groundzero.radio right now is the way you, you can listen to the show. If you're unaware of that, you're listening in the archive later. Otherwise, uh, I'm sure you're listening there right now. And if you are, please subscribe to Clyde's Archive and Aftermath to get access to uh, all the research and all the shows. And if you enjoy what Clyde does and you enjoy what I do as well, please consider subscribing to The Secret Teachings on our website at thesecretteachings.info. Very unique, uh, very similar, uh, but also very different content here on this show. And so if you subscribe to Clyde, you will not get The Secret Teachings. You'll have to subscribe to our show. And we do have a special available for you running this week. If you go to our website, thesecretteachings.info, donate $40, you will get access to our montages, our ad-free archive, a private RSS feed just for you, and you will get also digital copies of my books, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir, all three very, very large books, lots of content. And those are part of your subscription, so you get a lot of content for $40 for the whole year, just visit www.thesecretteachings.info. Stranger Things 4. Stranger Things 4 featured the Vecna. The Vecna was able to open portals, gateways, doorways, rifts, etc. by killing young people, by killing kids in essence. Taking their eyes like the Holocaust, taking the eyes, the gateway to the soul, and uh, distorting, breaking, destroying their body, uh, which is a desecration of the sacred. And so when the Vecna does this, this monster does this in Stranger Things, he's able to uh, use that psychic connection, that energy, that dreamwalking, very much like Wanda in Doctor Strange, uh, why we're calling the show tonight Doctor Stranger Things, and uh, open up a rift, open up a portal. Now, when you go to a church and you feel the energy of the church, all the people that have prayed there over months, years, decades, etc., an old cathedral, people have prayed there for hundreds, thousands of years even, you can feel the energy. You go to a Buddhist temple, a real one, I've been to one, you can feel the vibration. You can feel what some might call God. You can feel a presence there. And when you go to a graveyard, you can also feel a presence. It doesn't have to be an evil presence. It's just uh, there's an energy to that uh, decay. There's an energy to death, uh, even if it's one that you know humans um, project onto those locations. You have a funeral there, and they lower your loved one, and you're mourning and crying. And I mean, there's a lot of energy and, and emotions. And, and this is why, of course, advertisers, marketers, and media whip the public into a frenzy over things because people that are afraid and people that are emotional are more easily controllable. Uh, they are more suggestible to buying a product and to buying an idea. And although if you're just tuning in tonight, uh, the next few minutes of what I'm going to talk about might seem like they're totally unrelated to tonight's show, but I promise you they're, they're, they're very much related to the show, so please bear with me. When we talk about something like a mass shooting, you see this now almost every day in the news since the tops shooting in Buffalo. It's constant. 
Uh, there was a, a series of stories just in the last 48 hours over the weekend, uh, shootings uh, over the weekend, shooting in Philadelphia, shooting in, in Tennessee, and uh, people are, are hysterical. And I, I believe people are hysterical because they're, they're having these extreme emotional reactions uh, over a spectrum that are assertively pressed into the narrative. If you have a view that guns should be banned or regulated even more so than they already are, you fit into the spectrum. You are the truck full of soldiers being blown up, as the Joker said. Nobody panics. That idea of let's regulate guns, let's take guns away, that's all part of the plan. But likewise, if you're on the other end of the spectrum and you think, well, gun violence is just a... Uh, uh, an unfortunate side effect of a free society, well, that's also the truck full of soldiers being blown up because that's also just part of the plan. Nobody really panics. But we don't stop to ask what exactly it means to keep and bear arms or what exactly it means for there to be a mass shooting. The right to bear arms indicates a right to self-defense. And that right to self-defense is God-given by birth and it is innate It is, by whatever means, puts you on equal ground with those that are approaching you with intent to cause harm. A right to bear arms, by defining the word arms in the 1700s, the 1800s, even today, it means weapons. It could mean a knife, it could mean pepper spray, it could be a gun. It means putting yourself on an equal ground with those who are approaching you to cause harm. In fact, during the Revolutionary War here in America, the brown best musket, which was a weapon of war used by the British during the revolution is the same musket used by the civilian colonists. So yes, civilians should have access to the same weapons that put them on equal ground with government. Sending guns and encouraging people to have guns in Ukraine is apparently fine, but not for law-abiding American citizens, right? Uh, Borders in the U.S. are bad, but a border dispute in Ukraine warrants flying a Ukrainian flag in American towns where American flags are considered to be racist, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's an excellent exercise in mind control. It's an excellent study in a psychological manipulation. But the point is, define what it means to bear arms. It means a right to self-defense. So when you're being told constantly the Second Amendment's not absolute, you don't have a right to own this gun or that gun, we should regulate this or that, all fair and fine for conversation's sake, but what it's, what's really happening is, regardless of where you are in the spectrum, there's a communication that's occurring unconsciously. A communication from the dark side of the moon, if you will, which is the unconscious mind. And it's telling you, your right to the Second Amendment, your right to bear arms, your right to weapons, your right to self-defense is not absolute. Lay down your arms. Like Clyde Lewis's introduction to Ground Zero. Give up. The loudspeaker said, give up. That's what they're telling you. Give up, give up. Do not defend yourself. Lay down your arms. Now, how do you define a mass shooting likewise? A mass shooting can be defined in a similar way in regard to a definition that's outside of the mainline spectrum of definitions. A mass shooting is defined as four people being shot. When cities like Chicago, with very strict gun control, saw 51 people shot over the Memorial Day weekend, that's at, at, at least... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 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 twenty-four, thirty-six, forty. That's at least twelve mass shootings. But nobody wants to talk about Chicago because they already have gun control. Nobody wants to talk about the woman in West Virginia who kills the active shooter. 
Why? Nobody wants to publish stories like this because they indicate gun control allows for more crime and private ownership stops killing. Period. Now, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to disagree with me. Just, just hear me out. Hear me out. Just hear what, listen to what I'm saying and, and try to process where I'm going with this. When you have um, people that are copycats and psychopaths and mentally ill and criminals that, uh, criminals that don't obey the law and they shoot people within a narrative, it becomes the only thing that anybody is concerned with because despite the fact that four people being shot as a mass shooting and despite the fact that the number of victimizations in the U.S. for gun crime have actually plummeted by over 131,000 from 2019 to 2020, the last uh, release of data, according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, despite all that, the only reason that most of us are concerned with this issue and debate it is because that's what the media tells us to debate. That's where we get our information, our news. That's where we get the, 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 the direction. That's where we get the instruction to directionalize our energy. What, where, what are we focused on today? Is it a virus? Is it Ukraine? Or is it guns? And we jump back and forth. Wherever the media tells us to look, that's where we look. It's a psychological sleight of hand. But here's the thing. Most of these so-called mass shootings can't actually be mass events because a mass shooting indicates more than four people being shot. So a mass shooting isn't really a mass shooting. It's just a shooting. Tragic. Nobody said that's a good thing. I'm not, I don't want people to be shot. I don't want kids to be killed. But we have to get over this emotional reaction, this knee-jerk reaction to whatever part of the spectrum you reside on. Get off the spectrum. The spectrum is the problem. We need to look at things contextually. We need to look at things circumstantially. This is why every single story is telling us that a, a, a shooting of four people is a slaughter, a massacre, a slain. What Stalin did to the Ukrainians with the Holodomor was a massacre. What Pol Pot did was a slaughter. What Mao Zedong did was a massacre. What Hitler did was a massacre. Four people being shot is tragic. I don't want that to be my son or daughter, my friend, my wife, my husband, my, my aunt, my uncle, my anything. But it's not a slaughter by the definition and the implication of what that word means. That's what triggers the hysteria. That's what triggers the mind control reaction. Despite shootings happening every day until one fits the narrative, there's virtually no attention. Or those shootings are passed over for stories about foreign wars and positive cases of a particle in the body. There are reasons why the media doesn't talk about Chicago or West Virginia. And now, like clockwork, of course, the number one issue in the, in the midterm election is gun violence. It's not gas prices. It's not inflation. It's not war. It's gun violence. In, in the same way, abortion is now the big the second big issue for voters, apparently, or at least that's what the news tells us. That's what we're supposed to think. That's what we're supposed to be concerned with. And, and abortion is a very similar issue. It's like you're either pro or anti. Nobody wants to look at things from a circumstantial basis. Nobody tells you that in conservative states where supposedly you can never get an abortion, if you read the law, which I have in those states, there's like a whole list of exemptions. And in states like California, where people think they can go get an abortion like it's getting a drink of water in the middle of the night, like it's getting a haircut, there's a lot of restrictions in California on getting the abortions. And nobody wants to acknowledge the, 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 the objectiveness of it, that there's, there, there needs, 
we, we have to stop the, with the spectrum debates of, of, of just extreme polarity. Um, I mean, I've even showed people the, the Roe versus Wade opinion of the Supreme Court. It, even, it says on like page one or two and then later on that a right to abortion is not guaranteed. It's not absolute. They say that's not an absolute thing, literally. And they say that it not only is an, not an absolute thing, but that states have a right to regulate it to some extent. Who knows that? You say that and people think, oh, you're, you're anti-abortion or you're pro-abortion. It's not about that. It's the same with guns. And it's the same thing when, when you take all this into consideration, what I've shared with you in the last 12 to 15 minutes. People tune in and out of radio, I understand. So that's why we have to repeat some things. But if you're just hearing this and, and, and um, you're just tuning into the show, it, it might sound like we're talking about gun violence and abortion. This is a political show. I don't know if I want to listen to that. This is actually about something much different. We are also overlooking subconscious programming. We are overlooking the absorption that our unconscious mind has for numerical sequences that communicate to us that there's an underlying ritual here that has nothing to do with gun violence. It has nothing to do with abortion. It has nothing to do with politics as usual or politics as unusual. It has everything to do with something that is, is much larger, much different than what we could uh, conceive or perceive of based on the traditional classical uh, per, uh, uh, spectrum of politics or whatever our viewpoints on the world are. Uh, let me give you an example of what I mean. Earlier, I told you that there were 10,000 people that got together to watch seven torchbearers light a temple in Warwickshire, Britain on fire. And this fire was a, a cathartic burning of a temple with pictures and, and, and letters written to COVID-19 victims. Something that would have been considered very superstitious had we read about this story taking place a thousand years ago or, you know, uh, maybe, maybe during the, the Black Plague, the Black Death, right? But today we do it and it's, it's not considered magic. It's not considered a ritual. It's just it's a cathartic burning of a temple. But 10,000 people watched seven torchbearers seven days after the opening of this sanctuary in Warwickshire, they watched them burn it to the ground. Ten is the number of completion. Ten is the number of, of the, the whole, right? It's the number of God. It's the number of whole, completion. It's the, 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 the tetrictes, the tetrictes. And that is, that is the, the, you know, the one plus two plus three plus four. Um, this adds up. And gives us the number 10. And this provides us uh, with uh, a complete, whole, powerful number that when we apply it to ceremony and magic, we can see a step-by-step -step process as, as, the, as a ritual or a series of rituals unfolds, all meant to communicate to the subconscious, to sell us an idea, to use our energy to bring something about. I'm going to read you a few of these stories very quickly here. May 31st, police confirmed 10 shot in South Carolina shooting. Ten people shot in South Carolina shooting. Here is the Chicago Sun-Times over Memorial Day weekend. Chicago experienced its worst violent Memorial Day weekend in five years. Five years. How many people were shot on the south side of the city? This is what they tell us. Twenty-three. 23 is a, a number that comes up time and time again. It, of course, is the reverse of 32. I said 3, 7, 12, 13, 18, 21, 23, 32, and 33. Same numbers over and over again. 
it's going to get weird very quickly. The weekend was the most violent since 2017 when seven people were killed. It goes on to say, this past weekend's toll is sharply higher than last year when three people were killed and 34 others were wounded. Three, four, three plus four equals seven. Now, I'm not suggesting this is some Illuminati-confirmed nonsense from YouTube. Just hear me out. There's a, there's a reason behind this madness. Uh, New York Police Department investigating brutal beating of an Asian man in a subway station. The Asian man was beaten by three men, and it occurred at 3.30 p.m. list goes on and on and on here. It's going to get really weird. So, there's so many of these. Okay, here we go. Cape Cod man arraigned for Facebook threat to shoot up a school. He threatened to kill 57 people, 5 plus 7, 12. This man literally lived in his mom's basement, and he literally didn't have a job, literally was a drug addict and alcoholic, and was literally the picture child of an Antifa. And he was making threats online like he was a follower of the Riddler. Uh, this guy's named Justin Moria uh, or something. To the, I think it's Maria. Uh, Moriah, something like that. Uh, so 57. Uh, and then, of course, an 18-year-old in Florida was arrested threatening a school shooting. Uh, and then a fifth grader was just arrested, charged with threatening a mass shooting. He was 10 years old. A uh, 21-year-old accused of firing shots at a group of people in Kansas City at a Frisbee tournament. 12-year-old, uh, uh, a year ago, a 12-year-old shot three people at a school in Idaho. And this is an interesting story here. A 12-year-old girl in Idaho shot three people at a school a year ago. But on May 31st this year, the story made it back into the news, telling us that the child was committed to the Idaho Department of Juvenile Corrections until her 19th birthday or until the custody review board determines if she's been rehabilitated. They say she could be held until she is 21 years old, 19 and 21. That's the number of people, 19 plus two teachers at Uvalde. Uh, this was reported on May 30th, NBC News. A car wreck that initially was reported to be an intentional uh, 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 killing using a car, but it ended up just being a car wreck. Two dead, 19 taken to hospital in Nebraska after a crash in Lincoln. Here is three dead, multiple shot and injured in a shooting in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, here is another story. Tulsa gunman ranted to his surgeon, this is the same Tulsa gunman, and bought a rifle just three hours before the hospital massacre. Uh, there are three stories over the weekend. One, a series of shootings, uh, uh, I think this was on Saturday, uh, in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Arizona. Four dead, 28 injured. Well, four plus 28, 32 again. Here is CNN. Several active shooters in a popular Philadelphia neighborhood leave three people dead. Here's another one. This is ABC News. I'm not picking these. These are all top headlines. Here's another one. ABC News. Three dead in shooting in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Here's another one. Three people dead after shooting in Iowa church parking lot. Now, you might think I'm just pulling these numbers randomly together. They have no meaning, no significance, no importance. I'm just, I'm reaching, I'm grabbing, I'm grasping. And, you know, this is all just uh, one of those, uh, what do they call it, Illuminati confirmed type things. I'm not saying that it necessarily has uh, some deep, deep significance. What I'm suggesting is when you have so much attention, so much focus on dead young 
people in particular. But with all the shootings, just dead people in general. Shootings happen all the time. The media focuses all that attention on these shootings for politically expedient purposes. People being shot, people being killed in places that otherwise feel safe makes society feel less safe. But what it also does is think about stranger things. Remember the Vecna is killing young people and where he kills them, it starts to open up dimensional gateways. Now, I'm not saying a shooting at Uvalde or Buffalo opens a dimensional gateway. I'm saying synchronistically, with the ideas and the concepts that are being pushed, promoted, and advanced in popular culture and movies and TV, etc., and then the focus on violence and shooting and killing and innocent people dying, despite the fact that gun violence is down, violent crime is down, and America is one of the safest places in the world to live, when we focus our attention on that, it seems like it's a very dangerous place and we need something to happen now to stop the violence. Just like all these, all these events are spread out across the country to make you think this is happening everywhere, we're all going to die, it's dangerous to go outside, that puts us into a suggestible state. That puts us into a terrified and some people into a hysterical state of mind and it prevents us from using reason and logic to think. And then we go, we watch movies, we watch TV shows, and we're entertained because we want to get out of, we want to get out of that, 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 that fear. We want to get out of that just being scared and not feeling like we can do anything. That's where entertainment in Hollywood comes in. That's why movies were such a big thing during the Great Depression. People wanted to you know, get out of reality for a little bit. But when we try to get out of reality, we go to the movie, when we watch these TV shows, they're not putting us back into reality. They're taking us to new realities. And we're paying for them with money. We're paying in our attention. And we're feeding what feels like a, a, a directive of symbols and sigils that as they are fed and as they grow in energy, whether you know it's a meme or it's a, a certain symbol or it's an idea in some form of entertainment, those ideas start to grow and blossom. Uh, so much so that you know I didn't know anybody that played Dungeons and Dragons, but now Stranger Things, after it came out, people play it, and now they're making a Dungeons and Dragons movie. So it's wherever the pop culture, wherever the public opinion takes the idea, right? But the other thing is, you can install ideas in order to encourage public behavior to shift in a certain direction. And that is what I believe is happening when we're talking about ritualistic things, whether it's COVID-19, a war in Ukraine, we're talking about the Trident and all the religious uh, esoteric components of what's happening in Ukraine, or it's the shootings across the country and feeling like you can't feel safe anywhere. There was a shooting actually before the Buffalo shooting at a grocery store in Georgia that said, I guess you can't feel safe at grocery stores now. That was the headline. Preparing you like predictive programming. And then you factor in how all these shootings started. It started with a blood moon after Friday the 13th, three shootings over a three-day weekend, and you had 13 people in Buffalo, Ray. Then you had three people killed in the parking lot. It was three miles from downtown Buffalo. You see all those numbers. You see all the death. You see all the suffering. This is chaos manifest. This is Typhon manifest. This is Set or Seth, King Set, the reset manifest. Tearing down the old world. Tearing down Sandy Hook. Tearing down Uvalde. Tearing down the schools. Tearing down the places where we have these terrible events. Collapsing like a giant star to create a black hole of vortex to open up a gateway or a portal to another dimension or world, just like Vecna was doing by killing the innocent. And in Stranger Things uh, 4, before the, the show came out, they had they used the imagery from the show 
to project around the world 14 different places like the 14 pieces of Osiris's body that were spread out across the world. 14 different places projecting light shows, dimensional rifts on buildings where the monsters from the upside down came through. Obviously, some expect CERN to be that location, but it felt like Independence Day. Big ships parked over strategic places, waiting for the countdown, waiting to strike, waiting to fully come into our dimensional space to make themselves known. And um, it feels like when you put all this stuff together, uh, even what Elon Musk is doing with the robot and having all that information from Twitter and uh, Skynet of satellites and Neuralink, uh, terraforming the planet, pushing people into a collective conscience, it feels like something otherworldly. And, and I think all the things we've talked about tonight, Dr. Stranger things everywhere all at once, it's, it's all just part of an expression it's part of a, of a side effect of a much larger thing uh, that, like in Stranger Things, uh, perhaps is a mind flayer getting into, like Vecna, and dreamwalking like Wanda into the minds of people to help open the gateways and the portals to bring about this reset, to bring about this transition into uh, another state of, of dimensional existence, another state of, 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 of awareness that is not human, not conscious, uh, and... Um, certainly not good uh it 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 extinguishes the soul in the process and that's that's what feels like it's just everything's so dark and the world's really not that bad Uh, and that's the thing that we i think we have to recognize the world's really not that bad but when we focus our attention on it all that energy all that darkness it can make it feel a lot worse than it really is i'm ryan gable this is the secret teachings thank you so much for tuning in to our initial broadcast here on Ground Zero Radio. The music we play is White Bat Audio. They let us use their music for free. You can check them out on YouTube. Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings for our show. TST underscore underscore radio for Twitter. Our website, thesecretteachings.info, has my books. It also has our free archive. But if you want the ad-free version of the show, plus our montages, plus the private RSS feed and my digital books, Subscribe to our archive at www.thesecretteachings.info. And if you want Clyde Lewis's archive, subscribe to his separately. Right now, we're running a special for Ground Zero listeners, $40 for the year. You can donate on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or email me, rdgable at yahoo.com. We are now here with you Monday through Friday, airing right after Ground Zero Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being reasonable, for being responsible, for listening and processing and not becoming hysterical. For those of you who are intelligent and and, and want to learn, I want to learn from you too. So please send me an email. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know what you think we could do better. Let us know topics you want to hear. And as always, stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we will talk to you on the next broadcast.